Welcome to another episode of the Aftershock. Your host here, Richard Carthon. And I know we've been on a hiatus, but happy to be back here in 2023. Um, the month of January has definitely flown by. And you know, as we go into February, we're starting off pretty bullish. So um, exciting times in crypto land. Uh, a lot of things to be excited and positive about. Um, but we're going to go ahead and dive right into it and get into this week's Aftershock. The Aftershock. So this first week's article is brought to you through uh, FTX lawyers are looking to reap millions from the bankruptcy case. Um, the legal team is from Sullivan and Cromwell, and they have about 150 people on the bankruptcy case. Um, 30 partners are reportedly charging more than $2,000 per hour. So needless to say, there's a lot that's going into this case. A lot of money is being charged, and they're sparing no expense to hopefully try to win this case. Uh, good luck to them. Uh, I, I don't know how that's going to fare, but uh, clearly, they're spending a tremendous amount of money to to get this going. So go ahead and dive into the next article, which has to do with BlockFi. So um, BlockFi's executive to lead Google Cloud's Web3 efforts across Asia Pacific. Um, with more than a decade of experience, uh, Rishi uh, Rachmandi, who was with Bank of uh, America, Merrill Lynch, before spending the last two years at BlockFi. And as you all know, BlockFi, unfortunately, uh, filed for bankruptcy. Uh, now taking their efforts over to Google Cloud's Web3 efforts. So not too surprising that uh, a lot of the, unfortunately, a lot of the executive team is now going in another direction to find uh, greener pastures and try to get BlockFi behind. But people are still looking into the future, which is Web3. And Google Cloud is looking into that as well. So they got a pretty big uh, person who has experience to help bring that to the next level. So we think that's it. Pretty interesting piece of news. The next article talks about Mango. So Mango Market sues uh, Evram Eisenberg for $47 million in damages plus interest. So the lawsuit makes the fourth time Mango Market's exploiter has been hit with charges by lawsuits uh, relating to the attack on the DeFi protocol. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Mango Markets was built on top of the Solana ecosystem and unfortunately got hit with quite a few uh, different uh, hacks. So uh, now more and more lawsuits are continuing to come up. So looks like there will be some justice. It's probably still going to be one of those things that's going to take some more time. Uh, but... We will continue to look at what happens with this, especially as uh, these lawsuits continue to develop. Next article has to do with Uniswap, with Uniswap holders proposing to ditch Ethereum for Binance Smart Chain chain to deploy V3 protocol. So almost 80% of Uni holders voted to support the deployment of Uniswap's protocols to V3 on the BNB chain. Um, now, Binance Smart Chain, uh, uh, the BNB chain, it's cheaper. Um, when you look at a lot of the different protocols out there, there's a lot of programmers building on it. So not a huge shock here, but it was almost like a, it was even proposed as a temperature check um, to, to see how Uniswap can continue to evolve. So we're getting away from a lot of these higher gas fees and, and slower transactions and try to move to speed and efficiency. So we will see how this continues uh, to progress out. But this is a big move as Uniswap started as an EVM chain, Ethereum, and now looking to go um, to uh, other chains. 
Our next article brings us to a wormhole hacker who moved 155 million, which is the biggest shift of stolen funds in months. So blockchain transaction history shows that the hacker transferred funds from a DEX and then went into the cycle of funds. It's a different DeFi protocols. So shifting this money and trying to clean it, if you will, within the Web3 space, um, because everything's on public blockchain, you can follow all the transactions and people have time, especially people who unfortunately get hacked for a substantial amount of money. So this uh, wormhole hacker is being uh, tracked and monitored pretty closely. And I think as hacking continues into the future, it's going to get harder and harder because more and more programmers are coming up with these different types of protocols to help pinpoint and get to the, the core faster. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this one develops. But again, there's a ton of scams that happened last year. I think it was over like $2 billion, um, wait, potentially more that ultimately people got scammed out of um, just from pure hacks. Uh, we're not talking about FTX or anything else. We're just talking about from pure hacking standpoint and scamming. So it's this is something that will continue to unravel through the years, but I think will be reduced over time. So as we go into our next article that we're looking at today, FTX says that Wall Street heavyweights are among um, its creditors. Now, in the outbreak of everything that is happening over at FTX, um, advisors have say that the collapsed crypto company owes um, a ton of firms, including Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo Company, uh, bankruptcy court, um, uh, the, the bankruptcy court documents were showing. And it was a 116-page document that got filed on Wednesday. And it's just showing all the creditors with, you know, there's thousands of entries for all the people that FTX owes. So again, this is going to be something that's going to take a lot of time to fully um, develop and get to the core of all the, all the mess. But this is unfortunately a gigantic mess. Um, and I know we've been giving you a lot of information on it. And we will continue to keep you updated on what the latest is going on in this particular case. And to wrap this one up for our... Um, Aftershock round, we are going to be looking at Brave. So Brave announced its alliance with uh, Animoca uh, Brands to boost its Web3 initiatives, which Animoca Brands has been really proactive in investing in a lot of Web3 companies as an investor, um, from NFTs to just regular Web3 companies. Um, and they're trying to um, work with... Um, Animoca Brands uh, Japan specifically is looking to work with uh, brave and the intention was to uh, help uh, the the brand over at uh, Brave uh, continue to expand. So for those who are familiar with uh, Brave, it's a it's a browser. It's a uh, meant to be uh, a lot more safe and secure, and also rewards you and bat basic attention tokens. So if you you know watch specific ads and subscribe to those, you then get rewarded in that native token. So. They're trying to continue to expand that brand, hopefully be a household name just like Google Chrome is or Safari is. And Animoca does a really good job with uh, its publicity and, and marketing and, and helping its brands that invest in get larger. So we think this is a pretty substantial piece of news. Um, so that's going to uh, wrap up this week uh, review of what's happening with Web3. And now we're going to look at uh, last week in Metaverse. So the first article that we're going to examine is Amazon is reportedly launching an NFT initiative this spring. So it is one of the latest Fortune 500 companies to venture into NFTs. And I don't think this is 
out of nowhere. I think they've been building this for a while. And if Amazon were to come out the gates and launch its own marketplace, Amazon has a huge marketplace and it knows this game. Obviously, they usually are selling uh, more physical goods. Although, again, they started in the digital world, starting with digital books that you could go and buy. So they can come in with their resources and be a pretty substantial player if if they're able to go and get buy-in from the Web3 community and do the right types of collaborations with brands and uh, people who are doing big drops, et cetera. Coinbase tried this last year and unfortunately, it did not work in their favor. And they they put a ton of money, resources, and, and team into it. And unfortunately, because it didn't do as hot, uh, Coinbase suffered and so did the team that was behind that. So Amazon, I, I believe, is trying to learn from what happened there and and come about it from a, a better approach. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Next, we're going to look at Doodles. So Doodles unveils Doodles 2 and Details and Flow expansion. So what is happening over there is that the ecosystem expansion has been in development for about a year now. And it's anticipated that the next generation is going to be um, coming out. And it's not going to be taking place on Ethereum, which a lot of people for a long time thought it was. Um, I think it's really interesting to see that we covered a story earlier about how even Uniswap is looking to go towards uh, BNB. Um, you even have some of these other larger NFT brands that are looking to make the shift over into some of these other uh, chains as well. I think that Ethereum is in this crucial point that if they can't retain their stickiness and really keep their core of the creatives and the the protocols, uh, the layer twos that are being built on top of them, that they could soon see competition come in and really start to solidify some of that market share and, and get some of that away from Ethereum. So um, I think, again, this is really interesting. And I am curious on how you know this is going to happen. So. Um, Again, they're the the doodles too. They had ten thousand PFP NFTs. Uh, they're they're capping it at that. But the the mission too uh, is that it's going to be more accessible uh, to more people. So again, uh, doodles is a is a is a big player that came into the game, and they are trying to expand their brand, get more people. Uh, so it's less exclusive, if you will, and try to be more inclusive. So we'll see what doodles too is able to perform with that. Next, we're going to look at Rarible. Um, they are uh, they launched um, a marketplace for builders for Polygon NFT collections. Polygon is doing a really good job of continuing to expand its market share, especially in the NFT marketplace. More and more people are building on it because it's fast, cheap, and efficient. And as uh, you know, OpenSea is the marketplace that a lot of people go to. Rarible is kind of in the place where People drop, you know, the one of ones, et cetera, um, or super rare has been an example of of doing more of that. Whereas Rarible is still trying to get more market share and get more of that niche ready to go. And so they said, okay, well, how can we do that? Let's look at Polygon. Let's see how we can get more ways to get that going. And so um, because of the growing popularity um, for um, the Polygon ecosystem, Rarible is trying to capitalize on that and get more of those people 
to, to come and live and participate there. So um, this is one that I'm going to keep tracking um, as, as Rarible, again, tries to continue to be a, a competitor in this space, but we will see as uh, time goes on. Our next article, we're going to look at the Porsche NFT. So Porsche NFT training volumes are 5 million despite uh, its launching walls, and although they had to have a minting halt. So the NFT had to halt its minting um, back on January 25th in response to user complaints. Um, the luxury car manufacturer from Germany, um, NFT reached about 28, uh, 2,839 ETH, which is about 4.5 million in total sales volume. Um, but the collection immediately had a floor price of around 2.74 ETH. Um, and, and, and ETH sold as high as like 9.18 um, with over 1,705 total sales. And it was originally meant to have 7,500 NFTs, uh, but had to abruptly halt that, that minting process. So the supply had been reduced by 2,363 NFTs. Now, what's really cool about this is that you're seeing a demand for this and they might do something cool in the future. It'd, it'd be interesting. And this is pure speculation from my point of them being able to take that remaining uh, 2,363 and be able to drop them later as its own uh, drop and be able to make it maybe a little bit more special since uh, they weren't able to be fully minted out and they had to abruptly halt it. But um it's pretty impressive that Porsche uh, was able to come out and have such a successful launch. And they must have learned from some bad launches of other projects that didn't necessarily pan out. Like, for example, the Corvette uh, that was supposed to be minted by Chevrolet and uh, just didn't really have that pizzazz and, and launch as, as well as uh, the company would have liked. So um, congrats over to Porsche. We'll see what happens to that remaining uh, 2,363 NFTs that felt to be minted. Next, we're going to look at Music Meets the Metaverse and Cross-Genre Release by the um, Avila Brothers, Snoop Dogg, and Billy Ray Cyrus. So the Web3 opens its door for fans concert uh, fans to connect with their favorite artists in a setting slightly more impressive uh, than what was happening in a couple of other drops for collaborations from different artists on a platform. So what's been really cool to see is the embracing of more and more artists to look at NFTs as a, as a viable solution to then look at how people can interact in the metaverse. Snoop Dogg and, and Eminem um, did a, did a, um, I think during the music MTV awards that we covered a couple of months back, they did their video in the metaverse. And I think seeing that happen on um, mainstream media, has really catapulted artists to figure out how can they start to get more and more involved in this. And so seeing this kind of, again, collaboration between uh, the Vila Brothers, Snoop Dogg, and Billy Ray Cyrus, you're getting across a ton of different genres who are trying to learn and embrace this. Snoop Dogg's really being um, at the forefront of this and trying to be an advocate and a spokesperson in a lot of different ways, has a ton of really cool things coming out even in, in his world as it relates to Web3. And... I think this will continue to be a trend that we see happen in, in 2023. So I don't think this is going to be the last time we see um, some really cool uh, Costron releases into the metaverse. Um, our final two 
articles that we're going to cover today. We're going to talk about Nike's Web3 platform, Swoosh. Um, will reward creators for virtual sneaker designs. So the global sports brand is offering five grand cash prize to a chance to collaborate with the Nike designers on a one-of-one virtual sneaker. Nike has dropped a ton of money into this virtual space. They already have patents uh, for, for the metaverse. They are trying to encourage creators to come and collaborate with them. And it, who wouldn't want to work with Nike? So I think they're doing a really good job of really embracing the art, artist community who are already in the space building and get them to collaborate with them. And this is a really cool way to come out and get this done. So if you are one of those creators and you are trying to uh, participate, this is a cool one. Uh, you could go check this one out if you want to get five grand and probably an opportunity to do a lot more collaborations with Nike in the future. So uh, definitely go check this one out. And for our final article that we're going to cover, um, we are going to be looking at Web3 Gaming Studio, Mythical Games, releasing a new marketplace. So the launch of Mythical Marketplace 2.0 follows the studio's acquisition of gaming marketplace, D-Market. So the Web3 Gaming Studio is uh, continuing to expand, it's continuing to grow. And the company uh, is providing the infrastructure for Mythical Marketplace 2.0 that will allow users to purchase gameplay assets. Mythical Games is really trying to be a large player in the gaming space. Um, as it relates to to Web3 through acquisitions, through uh, being able to provide easier uh, user experiences um, through uh, their marketplaces. So I think Mythical Games is doing a lot of the right things. I think they're one of the platforms and and, and companies that are are really trying to embrace the bridging of, of gamers in Web 2.0 to Web 3 and understanding what it's going to take to get them to make that conversion over. And so they're slowly making those steps. And I think Mythical Games is going to be one of those companies that you want to keep your eye on. So that is going to cover um, this week's Aftershock. Um, We're probably going to start making these a little shorter and sweeter. We're going to give you the quick nuggets of everything that's going on. Um, If you have any questions, any feedback, please make sure to... Uh, Leave some comments in the description. If you have other things that you think we should be covering, please let us know. If you liked what we had to say today, please give us a like and a subscribe. And as always, uh, we hope you continue to stay crypto current. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Crypto Current. CryptoCurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the CryptoCurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. This show and any other CryptoCurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes. 